Hello, 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 everybody, and welcome to the Ben Wassman Show on this amazing Friday, January 13th. We have a great weekend ahead of us, one of my favorite weekends of the whole entire year, NFL Super Wild Card Weekend. We also have soccer if you're into that. We got hockey if you're like me and love hockey. We got UFC. It's an amazing weekend. I'm going to break it all down, all of the NFL week 19 nobody calls it that but all of the super wild card games i'm gonna talk a little hockey and of course i'm gonna talk mainly about my new york jets because they're still the talk of the town even though their season is over i'll talk about the new york giants i'll talk about carlos correa let's get into it i hope you all having a great friday and i hope you all just as excited as i am for the nfl wild card weekend let's start off with the talk of the town with my favorite team and that is the New York Jets. So the last time I did this show, I went on a Jets rant expressing my anger with how bad the ending of the season was and how bad the offense was. And I said, you can blame a few different things. You can blame Robert Sala. You can blame the quarterbacks, the running backs, and you can blame Mike LaFleur. A few days after that, as kind of expected by me, Mike LaFleur gets you I mean not technically fired because they say they said that they parted ways with him but he got fired let's just say that uh, according to to sources according to Connor Hughes and other people the Jets had a sit-down meeting with Mike LaFleur Mike LaFleur told them that he has other teams reaching out to him and the Jets said it's probably best if we go our separate ways so they parted ways I was expecting this the Jets offense was dead last in almost every single statistical category over the course of the season, and it never got better. Now, is that all Mike LaFleur's fault? No, it's not all of his fault, but I think you could put a portion of the blame on Mike LaFleur. He did not develop Zach Wilson to what we all expected Zach Wilson to be. He, he completely failed Zach Wilson, if we're being honest, and he did not ever make the offense any better throughout the season. You cannot have an NFL offense that is almost dead last in points, almost dead last in third down percentage, almost dead last in yards per game. It just can't happen. So now the Jets have to look for another offensive coordinator, and I see some fans that are mad about this move or surprised. I'm not either of these. I expected this move to happen. I didn't expect the Jets to fire Robert Sala. I didn't expect the Jets to fire Joe Douglas. The one kind of escape goat in this whole situation is Mike LaFleur. I do think Mike LaFleur, if he goes to a different team, can thrive and have success. The other part of the situation is why I say I don't think this is all Mike LaFleur's fault is because he did deal with massive injuries on offense. Brace Hall went down. That's big. I know every team deals with injuries, so, you know, you could mad whatever, but Brace Hall went down, and Mike LaFleur did also have two big offensive linemen go down. Elijah Vera Tucker, who can play every position on the offensive line, and Makai Becton, who went down early in the season. And Mike LaFleur had to manage three different quarterbacks Joe Flacco, Mike White, and Zach Wilson. Whenever you have three quarterbacks playing in the same season, it's usually not a good recipe. But at the end of the day, I don't think Mike LaFleur would have been good here next season, no matter who the quarterback was. And I think it is best for the team and for Mike LaFleur to go their separate ways. According to Ian Rappaport and according to Connor Hughes, those are kind of the main guys that I see on Twitter talking about this subject. A few names that can be the future Jets offensive of coordinator include Patriots tight end coach Nick Cayley, 
Eagles quarterback coach Brian Johnson, Colts offensive coordinator Marcus Brady, and I also see two other names which kind of entice me, and one of them is the Dolphins quarterback coach Darren Bevel, and I see this name. I don't know if it's possible, but I would like it to happen, and that is ex-Colts head coach Frank Wright. I think the main goal here for Robert Sala and the main goal here that the fans want is they want an experienced offensive coordinator and they want somebody that could, one, develop Zach Wilson, but two, be able to work with a veteran quarterback, aka Derek Carr, and let the offense not be a liability every single game. Said this so many times that I'll say it again. This Jets roster right now is a playoff caliber roster that got dragged down last year by an inept offense. You get an experienced offensive coordinator and you bring in an experienced head coach, you can make the playoffs next year. And that goes into my next point and that goes into the next piece of Jets news that came out after I filmed my last episode of this show, which was a few days ago and now. Woody Johnson spoke to the media. He said a few things, a few things that I you know, thought were normal that all owners basically say. But he also said one thing that although I expected him to say it, I don't like him saying it. And that is that there was no playoff mandate for the Jets next season. I'm not going to go crazy about this, but the New York Jets have the longest playoff route in the NFL. And now you have an owner saying there's no playoff mandate. Fans do not want to hear that. This team is good enough to make the playoffs. The Jets, in my mind, should have been should be in the playoffs right now. And if they don't make the playoffs next season, I can almost guarantee you that Robert Sala would not be the head coach anymore. And I think there's a strong possibility that if they don't make the playoffs next year and they regress negatively, that Joe Douglas could possibly not be the GM next year. There is, in the fans' mind, there is a playoff mandate next year. This Jets roster is too good to not be in the playoffs. They have to improve, get an experienced veteran quarterback, and go make the damn playoffs. I'm tired of being the laughing stock of the NFL. 12 years with no playoffs. That needs to change. And I know Woody Johnson is not saying it directly, but I think he really should. He should say to Robert Sala, you have to make the playoffs. Set the expectations high. The next thing that he said is that he's willing to spend big to improve the team. Now, I kind of knew that already. I think he's sick on the inside of being the laughingstock of the NFL, not making the playoffs. But now it's out there. He's willing to spend big. There is no excuses for Derek Carr to not be a New York Jet next year. There is no excuses for Jimmy Garoppolo to not be a New York Jet next year. I don't think Jimmy G is necessarily the best option, and I don't think it's as realistic as it was a few days ago with Mike Flores' departure. But I said on the last one, I'll say it again, there's three options that Jets need to get one of them. Lamar Jackson, Derek Carr, Jimmy G. I like Derek Carr. Willie Johnson says he's willing to spend big. Let's say, Let's see if he actually means it. But this Jets team needs to improve. They need to make the playoffs next year. And they also released their offensive line coach. I forgot his name. That's on me. So... Overall this week, they parted ways with Mike LaFleur. They fired their offensive line coach. I don't like, you know, it's obviously not good when people get fired because of the human aspect. 
But I think next year that can be beneficial to the team. We will see who they bring in as the offensive coordinator. We will see who they bring in as the offensive line coach. But Robert Sala, he has to know that he's on the hot seat. He has to know that. The Jets need to get better this year. They need to get the right guy quarterback and the right guy at offensive coordinator because if they don't, it's going to be a full new staff this time next year, and I can't take that anymore. I simply cannot take that anymore. All right, let's talk about the other team in New York, the team that got a new GM, the team that got a new head coach, and the team that is not golfing at this time, and that is the New York Giants. They bring in Joe Shane. They bring in Brian Dayball. They have a less talented roster than the Jets. I'm not arguing that. It's just a fact. They only have a few guys on offense, and they only have a few guys on defense that are really true difference makers. And the Jets have more difference makers than the Jets. But at the end of the day, it doesn't matter because it's all about coaching and it's all about getting better as the season goes on. The Jets did not do that and the Giants did. Giants, massive game this week, obviously, against the Minnesota Vikings. And I've said this on the last show and I'll say it again. I truly believe the Giants will win this game. You look at the last game. Let me pull up the stat exactly when they play. You look at the last game. In week number 16, the Vikings won 27 to 24. The Giants are healthier now. The Giants play better. I mean, the Giants shot themselves in the foot in week 16. They had bad turnovers. They, you know, it just wasn't their game, and they still lost on a 61 yard field goal. I think the Giants have momentum right now. The Vikings are an overrated team. They're the most overrated 13-4 and four team I have ever seen in my life. Let's look at their defensive stats. And then I'll get into the rest of NFL and, and the rest of the wildcard games. The Vikings defense, 31st in total yards, 31st in passing yards allowed, 20th in rushing yards allowed, 28th in points allowed. Their defense is very, very bad. And they're without their starting center and their starting right guard. The Giants defensive line is going to have to create pressure on Kirk Cousins. And the Giants secondary is going to have to do whatever they can to stop Justin Jefferson. I think it all starts with that defensive line. Kayvon Thibodeau has to be a beast. Leonard Williams has to be a beast. Aziz Ujari has to be a beast. All those defensive linemen got to put pressure on Kirk Cousins. If they don't... He's going to get the ball to, to Justin Jefferson. The less times Justin Jefferson touches the ball, the more likely the Giants are to win. I really feel like the Giants are in a better position now than they were a few weeks ago to win this game. And even though they lost a few weeks ago, it took not a miracle by the Vikings, but it took a 61-yard field goal in a game where the Giants still outplayed them. I don't think they're going to... I don't think the Vikings are going to be able to hit a 61-yard field goal again if the Giants do outplay them for the second time in a row. I really like the Giants to win. Currently, they are three-point underdogs. As I said multiple times now, they're healthier now, they're more experienced, and I think they're in a better position to win this game. I wish the Jets were in the playoffs. I really wish the Jets were in the playoffs. Okay, before I get into the rest of the wild card weekend. Let's talk about some Carlos Correa news. I said on Tuesday, the longer that the Carlos Correa saga drags out, the more likely he is to be a Minnesota twin. 
Later that afternoon, it came out that Jeff Passan said Carlos Correa signed six years, $200 million with the Minnesota Twins. I'm not surprised by this. And if I was a Mets fan, I wouldn't be disappointed by this. Two things. One, the Twins were a more desperate team. They want to make the playoffs. They want to beat the Yankees in the playoffs. They want to win a World Series. This is a move that they had to make. Even if the Twins do have their concerns about Carlos Correa's ankle, it is a move that they had to make if they truly think that he can play four to five years or hopefully six years and be that elite guy that he has been, then that's a risk that they're going to take. And it's a good risk that they should take and need to take. On the Mets side, it doesn't make them as elite as they were with Carlos Correa. I think if, you, if you're if you the Mets and you have Carlos Correa at third and Francisco Lindor at short and Carlos Correa in the lineup, it makes you a championship caliber team. I still think the Mets are a championship caliber, t- caliber team, but they're just not as strong. They won a lot of games last year. Yes, they had a disappointing ending to the year, but even without Carlos Correa, they won a whole lot of games last year. I think they're going to be able to win a whole lot of games this year, and I think this is a very smart move by the Mets. If you're going to give a guy a 12-year, 13-year contract, you have to be 100% certain that he's going to stay healthy and he's going to deliver to the best of his ability. And if you're not 100% certain, that is not a smart gamble to take. So good move by the Mets. They will be just fine without him. Good move by the Twins. Even if Carlos Correa only plays four years and something happens with the ankle, you're still getting four years. If he plays one and something happens, it's a completely different story. I don't expect Carlos Correa to just play a year and like the ankle falls apart. He's looked fine his whole career, basically, besides for some back issues. And he's been a stud in the regular season and in the playoffs. So overall... The Mets, still a very strong team, and I don't think we're ever going to be talking about Carlos Correa again. Carlos Correa is that guy who's really, really good, but not like Aaron Judge level, not like MVP level, but he's still really, really good. He still demands the highest of the high contracts in the MLB, but you just don't really talk to him. Uh, talk about him that much. And now that he's in Minnesota, I don't think I'm ever going to say his name again, unless the Twins play the Mets in the World Series, or unless the Twins play the Yankees in the playoffs. Okay, it's that time. This is the reason why we all love football, and this is the reason why we all love the NFL playoffs. We have a ton of great matchups starting tomorrow at 4.30, NFL Super Wild Card Weekend. Let's start it off. I'll give you my thoughts on each and every game. I'll give you my picks on each and every game. First game, Saturday, 4.30 on Fox. The San Francisco 49ers are hosting the Seattle Seahawks. And if you guys follow me on Twitter, if you follow me on TikTok, or if you're friends with me in real life, you know I truly think the San Francisco 49ers are going to win the Super Bowl. And you know I think, and I've been saying this all season long, that the San Francisco 49ers are the best team in the NFL. This is the third matchup this season between the 49ers and the Seahawks. The first matchup was in week two when the 49ers won 27 to 7. And the second matchup was in week 15 when the 49ers won 21 to 13. Brock Purdy, Mr. Irrelevant, 
It's in the playoffs now. Is it going to be a little bit different? It's more pressure, obviously, but I still think he's going to play the same and he's going to play up to the ability that he has been playing for about a month now. The Seahawks team can rush the ball well and they can throw the ball well with Geno Smith. This is the San Francisco 49ers. Number one defense in the NFL. They are number one in total yards allowed per game. Number two in rushing yards allowed per game. Number one giving up the fewest amount of points per game. I think it's going to be tough for Geno Smith and that offense to get anything going. I like the 49ers to start off the playoffs hot, get a big-time win, and cover this number. Minus 9.5, the 49ers are going to win the Super Bowl, and it starts now against the Seahawks. The 49ers are on a 10-game winning streak. Seahawks only Two and three in the last five games. 49ers are the better team in every category. They're at home. I think they're the best team in the NFL. They're going to start off the playoffs on the right foot. They're going to cover minus nine and a half. Second game on Saturday, 8-15 on NBC. I think this is one of the most intriguing games of the whole weekend. Los Angeles Chargers visiting, who would have thought we would be saying this, visiting the Jacksonville Jaguars. Chargers ended their season 10-7. and They ended their season with a loss to the Broncos, and that loss has massive implications on this game. That's because Brandon Staley decided to play his starters, which resulted in Mike Williams getting hurt and not being able to play this game. Brandon Staley has made a lot of boneheaded decisions as an NFL coach for the Chargers. Example last year, calling a timeout, letting him tie against the Raiders. Rich Bisaccia literally said, yeah, I was okay to tie. They would have both made the playoffs. Another example, Brandon Staley going for it on fourth down. Wherever he is on the field with no awareness of playing the field position game. And the third example, Brandon Staley not playing his starters in the preseason, saying we're going to rest for the, for the regular season, but playing his starters in a meaningful week, meaningless week 18 game when you already clinched the playoffs and it results in you losing your tallest wide receiver and one of your most impactful players on offense great job brandon staley you know i don't i'm about to say my pick but if i was brandon staley all i'm saying is i hope that move does not absolutely crush my team in the playoffs but it very well could all right so the jaguars Finished their season on a five-game winning streak and finished their season with a win at home against the Tennessee Titans to be in this position. Last time these teams played was week three. The Jaguars absolutely smoked the Chargers 38-10. to I don't think it's going to be a blowout this time. A lot has changed since week three. Wait. Chargers. Oh, yeah. I was looking at the wrong thing here. A lot has changed since week three. But looking at the numbers for these teams, the Jaguars' strength on offense is their passing, obviously, with Trevor Lawrence. That's the Chargers' strength on defense. The Chargers' biggest weakness on defense is defending the run. The Chargers can do that well, too. They rank 14th in rushing yards. Flip side, Chargers' offense versus the Jaguars' defense. Chargers' Third in passing, 
30th in running the ball. But they do have Austin Eckler, who is a touchdown machine. Jaguars 28th in passing, 12th in rushing. But this Jaguars defense has been a lot better since early in the season. This is a tough game to pick, and I think it's a very intriguing game because you have a Chargers team that's kind of inconsistent, but, you know, finished their season well, 4-1 and one in the last five, and has Justin Herbert, who is a difference maker. Justin Herbert will be the best player on the field on Saturday. And then you have a Jaguars team that is at home, played super meaningful games all the way up until week, t- week 18 when they had to win and then make the playoffs. When they had to beat the Titans to even be in the spot. Trevor Lawrence is amazing. We all know that. But at the end of the day, I think the Chargers are going to win this game. I think there's a reason why the Chargers are favored on the road. And that reason is they have the better quarterback. And I think they have the better difference makers. Keenan Allen, Bosa, Herbert, and Eckler are difference makers. And those guys win you games. Those guys win you games in the playoffs. The Jaguars have their guys too. Trevor Lawrence, Christian Kirk. But I don't think they're as good as the Chargers. Even though Mike Williams will not be playing. And even though Brandon Staley might make some boneheaded decisions. I think the Chargers are the better team. And I think they're going to get their first playoff win in a long time. Okay, now I'm moving on to Sunday. AFC East matchup, and this game, I'm just going to make it very simple. This game is going to be an absolute blowout. Buffalo Bills, my pick to win the AFC, my pick to go to the Super Bowl, facing the Miami Dolphins for the third time this season. Bills coming into this game hot, coming into this game with heavy hearts. DeMar Hamlin is doing a lot better. He got released from the hospital. They can rejoice a little bit last game they played they got a 96 yard kickoff return the vibes are high in buffalo seven game winning streak playing their best ball different story for the dolphins one and four in their last five and now they have to start skyler thompson he's a rookie he doesn't have much experience and he definitely does not have any experience playing in a road playoff game in one of the loudest stadiums in the nfl Third time this season these teams are playing. Both times the Dolphins played with Tua. Week three, the Dolphins beat the Bills 21-19. And then week 15, the Bills beat the Dolphins in that snowy game on Saturday only a few weeks ago, 32-29. This game is going to be an absolute blowout. Bills are not only going to win, but they're going to cover this number. They're going to win by two-plus touchdowns, and I honestly think they might win by three-plus touchdowns. That Bills defense is going to shut down everything that that Miami offense has to do. The Jets defense did it. The Bills defense is a little bit better than the Jets defense in my mind. Skylar Thompson will have a rough day, and then on offense, Josh Allen and that Bills offense, Stephon Diggs, Gabe Davis, they're going to flip the switch. It's playoff time. They're ready to win. That Bills offense, second in total yards, seventh in passing, seventh in rushing, second in points, going up going up against a Dolphins secondary that ranks 27th in passing yards allowed. The Bills are going to crush the Dolphins. And if the Dolphins do win this game, I don't know if it will be the greatest upset in NFL history, 
But if the Dolphins win this game with Skylar Thompson, they got to build that kid a statue. But that that's not going to happen. I spoke about the Giants game earlier in the show. The Giants are going to win. The Vikings are overrated. 11-0 in one-score games. That's unsustainable. Giants are healthier now. They're ready to win a playoff game in a long time. Daniel Jones is playing good. Saquon is playing good. It's Brian Dayball versus Kevin O'Connell, and I think Brian Dayball has the edge there. Giants are going to win. Final game, Sunday night, AFC North matchup on NBC. Baltimore Ravens coming in with a record of 10-7, and facing the Cincinnati Bengals, who are one of the hottest teams in the NFL. This is the third matchup this season between these two teams. Week 5, the Bengals won, no, the Ravens won 19 to 17, and then they played in week 18, where the Bengals won 27 to 16. No Lamar Jackson for the Ravens. Tyler Huntley is questionable. I think he's going to play, but he's questionable. If he does not play, it will be Anthony Brown, who played last week. I think this game is going to be very, very similar to what we saw last week. With the Bengals not blowing out the Ravens, but winning pretty easily, winning by over 10 points. The Bengals at home. The Bengals are one of the best teams in the NFL. The Ravens have a good defense. That's why I don't think the the Bengals are going to blow them out. But Anthony Brown at quarterback or Tyler Huntley at quarterback, just too tough to overcome. I like the Bengals to win. I like the Bengals to cover. And then the final game of Wild Card Weekend, Dallas Cowboys facing the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Monday night on ABC and on ESPN, Joe Buck, Troy Aikman on the call. This is also a very intriguing game. This is also going to be a great game to watch. But let me just break it down for you. We have a Cowboys team that always fails expectations. A Cowboys team that has a quarterback in Dak Prescott that has a major interception issue. And a Cowboys team who has their head coach on the hot seat versus Tom Brady at home in the playoffs. I know. I know the Bucks are 8-9. And, and I know this isn't, you know, the same dominant Tom Brady and same dominant Tom Brady teams that we're used to seeing. But it's a team that always fails expectations versus the greatest player of all time in his home stadium. I'm going with the Bucks here. I, I'm not going to be surprised if the Cowboys win this game. They're more talented. They have a much better record. They're favored, but I think that they're going to fail once again. It's going to be another first-round exit. I think this Bucks defense is going to come up big. This Bucks defense is going to need to force turnovers, and that shouldn't be too hard facing Dak Prescott. And then on the Bucks side, they rank second in passing. Tom Brady needs to get the ball out of his hands quickly, avoid Micah Parsons, and avoid the rest of those studs on the Dallas Cowboys defensive line. Tampa Bay Buccaneers will win because Tom Brady is the difference maker. And I think Tom Brady will do enough to outcoach and beat the Dallas Cowboys. I just think it's going to be another failure for the Cowboys. That's just what I think. All right, let's end it off with a little bit of a hockey talk. Devils have a big game tonight against the Anaheim Ducks. Then they play the Sacramento Kings yes tomorrow. 
The New York Rangers got a massive win yesterday. Made me sick as a Devils fan because now they are tied in second place in the Metropolitan Division. They beat the Dallas Stars. They tied up the game in regulation with 0.9 seconds remaining, and then they won in overtime. They play the Montreal Canadiens on Sunday, and the New York Islanders are also struggling a little bit. We're not also struggling. The, the New York Islanders are struggling a little bit. They lost to the Minnesota Wild 3-1 to yesterday, and they are set to face the Montreal Canadiens on Saturday. So that'll wrap up the show for today. I touched on so much. Talked about the Jets' offensive coordinator. Talked about Woody Johnson's statements. Went over every single NFL wildcard game. Talked about Carlos Correa to the Minnesota Twins. What it means for the Twins. What it means for the Mets. And I just spoke very, very briefly about some NHL news. I hope you guys all have a great weekend. I hope all your bets win if you are a sports better. And if you're a Jets fan, we are one day closer to witnessing our team win a Super Bowl. Glass half full mentality. That's how we have to think. And if you're a Giants fan, enjoy every single second of this weekend because as a Jets fan, I'm very jealous. And one last thing about the Giants. I hear a lot of people say like they're playing with house money. Nobody thought they were going to be here. Do not think like that. You never know when you're going to get back to this point. I know it's just the first round of the playoffs and many teams get back to the first or second round of the playoffs year after year after year. But the Jets and Giants don't. So if you're a Giants fan, enjoy it and don't think after the game, oh, we weren't supposed to be here, so I'm not upset about the loss or whatever. Whatever happens, I'll, I'll accept. No. Want to win the game? If you don't win the game because you do something stupid, you should be pissed about it. Act like you're supposed to be there because you never know if you're going to be there again. And I think the Giants are capable of making a little bit of a run. If they win this weekend, then they are set to face the Eagles and – who knows? Maybe they could win that game if Jalen Hurts isn't 100%. You never know. But playing with house money, as Tiki Barber said, he doesn't like that term, and I don't like that term either. Everyone, enjoy your weekend. Go Jets. And I wish all you Giants fans best of luck. If you're a Rangers or Islanders fan, I wish you guys the best of luck as well. I'm a Devils fan. They should win tonight, and I hope they win tomorrow. Okay, everyone have a great weekend, and goodbye.